So, we are looking at 2 Peter, and this morning we'll talk uh, on verses 3 and 4. Forgive me, I left my notes at home thinking that, well, <laughs> the video is going to be enough, and we'll talk about some things a little bit, and then, you know, we go to have a planning meeting or so. But verses 3 and 4 are most powerful. Remember that Second Peter, Peter is addressing people. Second um, Peter is primarily, it was written in those days to, to Jewish people who were being persecuted and so on and so forth. So obviously it is the scripture, so it is for us as well. Um, and the same sort of group that he had addressed in First Peter that have now uh, walked with the Lord for a while and he's writing them a second letter saying to them, that um, I want you to grow. I want you to mature because there's evil days coming. And so I'm not a preacher of doom, but the Bible is clear that difficult days will come. And in some places, difficult days are here. Difficult days are here in the United States already, except they are sort of covered up a little bit and not so blatant as maybe other places. Uh, although in the United States, you know, people do this, that, and the other to Christians. Um, but in other places, they, they burn your church. They, 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 they burn your house. They kill your children. They kill you. Uh, people are beheaded. Uh, so, and, but that's not the only thing that Peter is talking about. He is saying that people will come into your fellowship. People will come into your circles and they will be false teachers. And they will be false prophets. And they have, they are good speakers and they have so much wherewithal of the scriptures, not believing them so much, but knowing it, that they will be able to convince you otherwise because you'll be impressed with what they say and what kind of uh, 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 hold and grip they have on the scriptures being able to handle it as they, as they can. And you'll be, wow, man, this, this is a great preacher, but he's teaching falsehood. So, what are some of the uh, red flags about falsehood? Um, well, some of the red flags, obviously the, uh, the most obvious red flag about falsehood is that somebody would teach that you can get saved other than through Jesus Christ. That is the number one falsehood. I don't care how great the choir is. I don't care how big the church is. I don't care w- w- how many, what kind of a dress they have, what kind of cars they have. It doesn't matter if, if it is about getting saved and not through Jesus Christ or about Jesus Christ and something else, it's a falsehood. Amen. So that is falsehood number one that you have to be very careful with. And, 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 and Peter is warning us against that. And there is lots that can be taught. So... False teachers, by definition, are not always easy to detect. Otherwise, nobody would, no Christian would listen to them. Okay? So it is, it is sort of incognito, sort of a, a gospel that is, uh, 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 that is false. Anyways. So here he's talking uh, in verses 3 and 4. He's saying, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain Unto God, uh, life and godliness. Uh, so he speaks first of 
his divine power over here. As his divine power, or according, as uh, uh, my King James Version says, that is to say, seeing that, seeing that we have his divine power uh, that has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The divine, obviously, it means divine. It speaks about the divinity of God and the source of where this power is coming from. Divine power. And power is a funny word because it is dunamis here. Dunamis. Uh, you have different words that could be translated power. You could have, for example, um, the idea of authority could be translated power. Yes? Uh, then the question arises, and this is sort of like a side point, what would you prefer, authority or power? Authority, any, every day of the week. Because the people that have authority can call on the people that have the power, the sheer power, to, to move on their behalf. Right? But here it speaks about sheer power. That is to say, that which overcomes resistance. So there is a resistance, but this power overcomes it. So, this power is greater than every other power. It's not saying that over there, but I'm, I'm telling you that it is. And, and I'll, I'll give you some scriptures if, if, you, if you want me to, because that is what it is saying over here. There's divine power. So then, dunamis. So we get the word dynamite from that. So when you're talking about just the, 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 the word power that overcomes resistance, it could be that it is like dynamite, boom, and it overcomes it just like that. Or it could be a more, a slower power, a slower power that, 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 that overcomes resistance slowly, slowly, slowly. And so the first one, the fast one, uh, we will say is deliverance. If you are an alcoholic, you go to the Lord in prayer, God can deliver you just like that. Boom. Just like that. Yes? Is that true? Just like that. If he wants to. But the slow one would be that he says, no, I'm not going to deliver you from this. I'm going to want you to be obedient over time, and, but I'm going to give you the power to be obedient if you will just come with me. If you just trust me and believe in me, I'll give you the power to be obedient. Have you had an experience like this? I've had the experience like that in, in, in three different areas, with alcohol, with coffee, and with carbonated drinks. God told me no more, and it was no more. Are you going to be obedient, or are you not going to be obedient? That's the question. Okay? So, but now, talking about just the dynamite part of it, then <clears throat> dynamite is used both to explode and to implode things. Yes? If all of you have seen buildings, and I, I'm, I'm fascinated by it, how can such a power be so controlled that it just, just implodes everything? So the exploding thing I see as uh, an outward power that would evangelize other people, that would disciple other people, that would reach out to other people, that would uh, <clears throat> uh, resist uh, forces that come from the outside that are trying to come in, such as temptation and these type of things. The power to resist those things. Then you have the implosion, implosion thing that implodes the, the personal walls that you have in your system. 
of whatever kind they are. Yes? You have internal walls. And internal walls that possibly you have within a church. That the power of God would implode them. So that they be gone. So that the, the, these walls that divide you from other people or that divide people from other people would implode and be gone so there's no more walls. So we have a free way to relate to one another in whatever way that it is, whatever those walls might be. Uh, and in the church, typically there are plenty of walls. Is that? Is, is that? Okay. Can you give me one or two walls? We talked about racial this, this morning a little bit. So we, we're going to not go there. We, we have talked about that enough. Uh, huh? Unforgiveness. Division. Clicks. Money. I mean, all kinds of walls. And those, I'm not saying that you should give your money away, since he's talking about money. I'm saying that that money should not divide you from somebody else and the relationship and the friendship that you should have with that person. And as Peter was teaching us last week, there should not be partiality in any way concerning this, that uh, somebody or a church that is maybe a wealthy church would not be hospitable to people that are poor and coming in. This is not gospel. James is very direct. <laughs> I, I'm trying to be soft with you a little bit. Uh, he is... Adamant about it, that when you are partial, now you have become judges with evil desires, with evil motivations. And he says, and it is sin. Partiality is sin, whatever way. So, so this power then also takes care of these eternal walls that you might have within you or that might be within the church. And we need to welcome that because this is the power that God has made available to us. Divine power. So, and has given us all things. So the word given over here is, <laughs> I like language because it expresses things and explains things to us. So if you, uh, there's different words for given or to give. This particular word is a stronger word than the usual word of to give. It's a stronger word that has more to do with uh, bestowed upon them. Uh, strong word. And it is in a sense, in, in the original language, it's called the present participle, a past participle, that is to say that an action that has happened in the past and was completed and still has present results. In other words, that God had given you this power in the past and had given it to you completely and totally but in the present, you still have it still available to you. And, and you can't re-gift it. <laughs> Whatever. It's, it's for you. And God will also give it to others. But it's not for you to give to others. It's for you to, for you to have and to exercise in your life. Given to us all things. All things. Brothers and sisters, when the scriptures talk about all things... What do you think it means? All, All things. Profound, huh? <laughs> that means, well, let's look at it. That means there is no exceptions. 
Nothing is accepted, exempted from it. There's no exceptions whatsoever. All things God has provided for us through this power to live life and to live it in a godly way. And the word life over here, you have two words for life, typically. One is, has to do with, like, biology, bios, bios, has to do with the necessities of life. But here the word zoe is used, Z-O-E, that has to do with the, uh, the essence of life. So God has given us the essence of life. That we could live a life of God. That we could live, if you will, the Christ life. A life that is not only Zoe, but a life that is also godly. And that, when people look at your life, they see some things of God in there. A godly life. Life and godliness. And he has not withheld anything from you for you to live that life successfully and victoriously. So, I have some good news for you and some bad news. The good news is, which one do you want first? The bad news. (laughs) I'll give you the good news first. (laughs) The good news is, you have no excuse. The bad news is, you you have no excuse. No excuses, my brothers and sisters, for you to live a a godly life, a a, a life that reflects who God is as you live it and walk it. And that's usually important because remember what Peter is saying, that in the future, if not already right now, they're they're here right now, they're not in our midst, but they're on television, they're at, at, at places, There is false teaching will come, and if you don't know, and if you don't have the life and the intimacy with Jesus Christ that we're going to talk about in just a little bit, then you are easier prey for the false teachers. Does that make sense to you? Okay? So, now, you're not by yourself. You have brothers and sisters that are going to say, Sister, you know, you were asking me this question about such and such. Uh, sit down. Let, let move over just a little bit. Sister. Let, me let me talk to you about this thing. You know, let's look at the scriptures. This is not exactly right. He's just, he's just, he's just telling you that love is the root of all, all evil. It's not love, sister. It's, the, it's not, uh, say, I say love, I mean uh, money is the root of all evil. No, 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 it's not money that is the root of all evil. It is the love of money. So, see, so he, they, they shade things a little bit, they play things a little bit, and they try to get you, and then he says, later on he says, and they are going to make merchandise of you. That's in this epistle. So later on we'll get to it as well. And so they, 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 they try to sway you so that they can make money off of you. Okay, what are we talking about? Okay, that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Through the knowledge, it is always about Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters. Don't be mistaken, it is about nobody else. With the Father, it is about the Son. With the Holy Spirit, it is about the Son. 
Yes, everybody plays a role in this. But they're all pointing to the Son. The Father has made the Son the creator. The Father has, has put the Son in authority of everything else, even in heaven, on the right-hand side of himself. And the Holy Spirit always points toward Jesus because he wants to glorify him. He wants to remind you of him. He wants to guide you toward him. So, but that doesn't mean that when somebody is uh, heavy on the Holy Spirit that you should worry about it because the Holy Spirit is going to lead him to Jesus. <laughs> you see? And nothing wrong with the Holy Spirit, obviously. He's, he's God. So... So, but the knowledge of him, it speaks of the same one they spoke of in verse 2, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, in the previous verse, in the King James, the typical King James, the older King James, it says, uh, of uh, God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, if you're not careful, you interpret it as two persons or two personalities. God, maybe the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and our Lord Jesus Christ. It should be our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It speaks about one person in this text. That is just the construction of the Greek, says it that way. So it points out very clearly that Jesus is our God as well. He's not God the Father, he's God the Son, but he's God nevertheless. In some groups, they don't consider Jesus God. They consider him like a God or a smaller God. How can you be a smaller God? <laughs> you're either God or you're not. You either have the authority over every other authority or you don't. And if you don't, you're not God. And so God the Father has put Jesus in charge of everything and has the authority over everything. As he says... <clears throat> In some of the verses that, that Baptists like a lot, uh, all authority is given unto me, as Jesus says, in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach them and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you. Uh, so I just want to give you a verse that says that he has got all authority. So you know that I'm not making it up. Uh, to the knowledge of him, always to the knowledge of him. And... <clears throat> Typically, it's speaking about the intimate knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the epigenosis, an intimate knowledge. And so, like I said last week, there's always a question, uh, well, I understand, Pastor, what you're saying, the intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. But now, how, how do I get there? How, how, do, I, how do I do it? To, to be intimate with Jesus Christ and have an intimate knowledge of him is the same way as if an intimate knowledge of your, your friend. If I want to have an intimate knowledge of Joe, I have to spend time with him. Plain and simple. If I want to have an intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ, I have to spend time with him. Through his word, in prayer, but does it always have to be official prayer? Last week I mentioned to you, do, do you ever visit with Jesus? Just visit with him. <laughs> I do that all the time. Yes. Lord, what do you think of such and such? I was pondering this, and would you help me a little bit? Lord, I, I need an illustration for this. Would you give me one? The one that I have, I don't like it. Would you give me a better one? Boom. And, and you know, he's faithful to, to give it to me. But I get to know him a little bit. As I 
spend time with him and visit with him. It's not all about kneeling. and I, I love kneeling, and, and that posture is wonderful and it's humble, and I love it. But it's not, you know, while I'm driving a car, I can't be kneeling. <laughs> I'm sorry. And you'd be happy to know I'm not closing my eyes when I visit with him. <laughs> you know, we're, years ago, we were teaching our daughter to, to drive, and she's driving, and she says, where are the brakes? Honey, you have to look over there, okay? <laughs> called us by glory and virtue. He has called us by glory and virtue. I'm going to look at my time over here. And then I'm going to, after, at the end of this verse, we're going we're gonna to call it. Otherwise, it gets too late. Your translation might say, to glory and virtue. My translation says, to glory and virtue. Your translation might say, by glory glory and virtue, or by his glory and virtue. Both are true. Both are true. Let me explain it to you a little bit. The calling of Jesus is not just a calling of come follow me. Yes, he did that with the early disciples and says, come follow me. But part of the calling of Jesus is his beauty that in itself is a calling. The beauty of his teaching. The beauty of his humility. The beauty of... (coughs) uh, the way he deals with people, the beauty of his forgiveness, his beauty of his compassion, the beauty of his being moved with compassion. All that beauty that you saw in Jesus in itself is a calling, and it refers not only to that beauty of Jesus that is calling you, okay? Now, just in case you misunderstand me, you know, when you first saw your beautiful wife, and, you know, you felt there was a calling. Oh, her beauty called you. Okay? You didn't know much about her, even the beauty of her culture. Oh, I feel called. <laughs> and then you get to know her, and, oh, my goodness, she's even more beautiful than I thought. And it is always true with Jesus. Now, with me, as you get to know me better, I might not be more beautiful. You might think, oh, I thought this guy was a nice guy, but mm, I know him a little better. <laughs> but with Jesus, it is always better. As you get to know him more, he is always more beautiful. So that is part of the call. The by, by glory. The two part of it has to do with the fact that as he calls us by his incredible beauty, You know, we sang a song today. This is beside the point. I just, it's just an interesting thing. Uh, what a beautiful name it is. And the second part is what a wonderful name and what a powerful name. And the, the songwriters, the, the lady and the gentleman that wrote this song from Australia, they were, they didn't want to use the word beautiful. They said that was a little bit too soft. Beautiful. 
But they decided otherwise, and I'm glad that they did because he is beautiful. I'm not necessarily talking about his, his physical appearance in the, in the incarnate form. In the spiritual form, there's nothing more beautiful than him. But in the carnal world, I, I don't know if he would want you to call him beautiful. Uh, handsome, maybe. Uh, but certainly strong and, and, and so on and so forth. So they had a, a little problem with the word beautiful. I have no problem with the word beautiful. And so I'm glad they left it in. Uh, that beauty that has called us, has partly called us. It was not just his beauty, there are other things that called us as well, but partly his beauty that called us to himself is what he wants us then to portray to other people so that they are also attracted to the gospel. So we are not only attracted by his beauty, but to his beauty and virtue so that we might have excellent and virtuous lives that attract other people to Jesus Christ. Now, you will know that there's never anybody that can get you saved. But there's somebody that can get you to listen to them. That earns the idea that you become an audience. And if you are an audience and you hear the gospel, then there's a a chance that you might be saved. Otherwise, God might have to use a vision or a dream in your life or whatever. And he can do that too. But he has given us the mandate that we should share with other people. But... There is never anything that attracts other people more than your godly life. The words that you use, the Bible knowledge that you have, the the, the speech ability that you have, speaking ability that you have, whatever it might be, will never, the arguments that you put forth, the debate, will never be as attractive as your life. And that life will earn an audience. And that life will make believable what you say, that it's true. And so when people hear, when you talk to somebody, they they have already seen some things in your life. And and they go, wow, huh, interesting, super. Let me explore some. And they, they explore a little bit on their own. And they come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is always the Holy Spirit that, that draws the net in, so to speak. 